Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not, episode number 42. And our guest today is Lucinda Hicks. And she is a friend in real life to both Jill and me. We adore Lucinda. Lucinda works at the church. And she does a fantastic job of taking on some of our youth and mentoring them and helping them out. And she is a wife of 21 years and mom to four amazing kids. And she's a Navy veteran. And she's a do-it-yourself queen. You will be, your jaw will be dropping to hear how amazing her do-it-yourself projects are. And she just makes life fun. She's a great person. Her conversation with us was really inspiring and full of joy. She's so, so impressive and calming. And she's going to talk a little bit about health issues with her one of her children. And um, you're going to hear a lot about flex, being flexible and patient and thinking outside the box. I think that was a big theme is think outside the box as a mom, as a person in general, get outside of that box. So listen in to Afraid Not. Hi, Lou. Thanks for coming today. Hi. Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what your family looks like. Mm, Okay, so Lucinda Hicks, formerly Weisenberger, 26 letters in that name. That was a doozy. 26 (laughs) characters. That mm -hmm, is my whole name, 26 characters. It was great. (laughs) It was good. So I strove for a shorter name, and I got it. So Lucinda Hicks. uh, Was that a deal breaker when you were dating? Is your name too long? Then it's a deal breaker. (laughs) We didn't get that far. Luckily, he just started out short, so we were good. (laughs) Um, uh, So I've been married for 21 years. I met him in Virginia when I was in the Navy. We have four kids, 18 to 8, so that's fun. I grew up in Pennsylvania. I'm not originally an Okie. Tim is. He's from Owasso, so I'm a transplant. Um, so from Pennsylvania, my mom moved us to Alabama. I went through all of high school in Alabama after my dad died. So that was a culture shock, but it was good. I'm glad that happened. So, well, we would really like to hear if we can go back a little bit, um, if you'd be willing to tell us a little bit about your growing up and, um, just the, the journey that you went through. In general, well, so in Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania, my whole family is there. Um, My mom and dad were married about 13 years. Life was normal right before he died, so I was right after the honeymoon. And (laughs) so he was in the military, and he was on his way to a drill weekend, and a car pulled out in front of his motorcycle. And it was one of those weird things where he just had a few broken ribs and a punctured spleen and should have been fine, but his lungs collapsed. So he passed. Oh, and so terribly sad. It, so it was, it, it was, thank you. It was life-changing. Of course. Um, my mom, she struggled with mental illness, so that was challenging. I was the oldest, and, you know, kids take on all of those responsibilities, so processing all of that was um, formative, That's a good word for it. Did you feel yourself kind of becoming a mom in your home? Well, I had to be. That was the last thing my dad told me was to take care of my mom. So I had to take care of my mom, and I took care of my sister. And 
Um, I had to. At this time, I was twelve. Twelve. I turned thirteen that winter, so it was challenging. My mom did the best that she could, but she struggled a lot. She started a new relationship about a year later, and she was ready for a a fresh start. I think so. um, That's a fun story. She went to the first encyclopedia, opened it up to the first state, closed her eyes, and pointed. And that's where we went. She went and checked it out, and I ended up in Guntersville, Alabama for high school. So you didn't, none of you knew anybody there? Not a soul. It wasn't like you were going to see family or anything? Nope. She was getting away from family. Okay. I think. So, um, so that gave her a fresh start. It was, opened my eyes to the world because I had never left Pennsylvania before. So I'm always telling my kids the world is bigger than Owasso, you know. Don't be afraid to leave Oklahoma. Spread your wings and fly. So I have a opposite viewpoint on that than I think most parents I've talked to. I'm like, no, go, go. <laughs> so um, let's see. What else? Alabama was Alabama in the early 90s, you know, a little bit behind the rest of the world. So I got to experience a lot of that cultural difference and change and they were still processing and actually they were still integrating. Oh, that's oh, really awful. I bet that oh was my. a huge culture shock from Pennsylvania to there, Alabama. Yeah. There, there were parts of town I was the wrong color I couldn't go to and likewise. Mm-hmm. So um, that, did, that didn't last that long, but it was still very, it was a much different environment than Pennsylvania. But I learned all about Southern hospitality and chivalry, you know, like gentlemen holding the door for girls. That didn't happen where I was growing up in Pennsylvania. So all of that was really, really neat. And it just, every step along the way, as you move around the country, you learn and pick up different parts of the culture. So that was cool. So what got you into military? My dad was a CB. Mm-hmm. And what does CB stand for? He, he did construction work. So before the Marines would land, CBs go in and they build. They build the, you know, the buildings and the tents and they get the bases ready. So that's what he did. Mm-hmm. So after I graduated, I went back to Pennsylvania and then I had to come back to Alabama. And it was just a very, very hard time for my mom with transitioning. I was the oldest. My sister was still in high school. And I was not ready to go to college yet. I just had a lot of depression at that time. I had no motivation to do anything. And the Navy was an easy out. It was really easy to join. They gave me college money. They gave me a lot of college money, a lot. It was great. And I figured I'd be able to go out with my mom's blessing and travel the world and go have all of that independence that I had always wanted as a as a kid. I was I was ready to be a grown up. I think from the time I was born. So was there a piece <laughs> of that that connected to your dad as well too? Just honoring him that he was in the military. Did it? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Navy is is big in in my heart. It wasn't my dad joined the Navy, but. Everyone else in the family had been the army, but because my dad was Navy, that was it was a huge connection that just yeah. that just meant a lot. So because in my when I made chief, we put together 
a cover for your charge book. You you have to you have to design it. Mm-hmm. And I sewed pieces of all of my uniforms into it, including my dad's. So I had my wow. dad's uniform oh, and wow. his name tag. So it was really it's neat. Yeah. It is such a treasure. It is. What was it like being in military as a woman? Well, I joined in 96, and I was 19. It was, honestly, it was fine because I'm not very, I wanted to be the paper pusher. I did not want to go to war. I didn't, at that time, we weren't allowed to go into combat. I was perfect with that. That's okay with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably feel differently if I was trying to go now because I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, experiencing other women in the military at that time, though, was really kind of shameful because there were a lot of girls that it, they, they just did not act very nice. And they have no respect for other people's relationships. And it was very eye-opening how bad women can be mm-hmm. at times, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was great. I had every opportunity. I started out as a nuclear propulsion electronics technician. Oh, my goodness. I don't even Listeners, know what that are means. You, are you, do you need us to <laughs> that was, that was, comprehend that? Wow. That way, there's there's only one thing to comprehend. I flunked out of that school. <laughs> they, they, it was awful. They crammed two years of college in six months. It, uh, I could not do it. I am not a pressure cooker. I need time to process. So that did not work because I on my ASVAB I scored high for technical things. They they wouldn't let me go into administration. So then I became a cryptologist. And I did really great in school. And what is that exactly, cryptology? Oh, cryptology. There's a very long, boring explanation for that. It's basically I read electronic signatures on a screen and told very stressed out officers what type of craft that was. Oh. Wow. Except I could, I was first in my class in school. Could not do it at all in the fleet. I was horrible, terrible. Oh, no. Very bad. Again, not a pressure cooker. <laughs> so if someone's stressed out, it shuts me down. I'm like, you want to know what that? I have no idea what that is. I, I, so that did not last long at all. Um, by that time, I had met Tim, and we were dating, and then we got married, and he was diagnosed with cancer. So he oh, had he had um, stage three cancer. He had a mass the size of a bowling ball in his abdomen. He had nodules around his lungs and trachea. It was almost in wow. his brain. So he went through. It was Christmas Eve of ninety eight. He had his first chemo round. So we did three rounds of right chemo right at the beginning of your. We were engaged marriage. for six months. Wow. Our wedding. Well, our wedding was supposed to be that next year, and then he got diagnosed, and he started chemo Christmas Eve, so we went to the courthouse and got married in January. Our wedding was planned for August, so we still had our wedding in August, so I have two anniversaries, (laughs) which is a good thing. (laughs) So he did that, and then he had this massive surgery in May, and he's been fine ever since. It was curable. He's good. So about that, yes, it was... 
it was great. We, we were in Virginia Beach. The military hospital took care of it. Dr. Fink was amazing. We um, had Ashland two years later, exactly when she said we would. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was good. The chemo, a few things changed, but it, it, was, it was all right. So right after that, I realized I'm, I'm not good at cryptology, so I cross-rated and became a legalman. Hmm. Paper pushing, I can do that. So, and that's basically just a paralegal for the JAG. And I love it. I loved it. It was, it was great. So my bachelor's is a paralegal. Okay. So and how many years did you get to do that? Well, I did legalman for about three or four years. I was active duty for seven. I came off of active duty in 2003 because by then Ashlyn was a year and a half old. And I'm mama. It's my job. I'm mommy. So I came off active duty and we came here. We moved back here and then we had the other three. And I joined the reserves right after I came off active duty and I drilled for a while, but we we kept having kids and <laughs> <laughs> and, and about the third kid, uh, I, th- I think we were at summer or I was pregnant with Lane and I said I I, I really can't I can't keep this up. So I went into the inactive ready reserves and just maintained my anniversary years that way until I was finally discharged in 2014. So I have 16 qualifying years. Well, that's a, a huge accomplishment. It is. I love it. Had you ever been to Oklahoma before you guys moved here? Was that another I culture had, shock? I had been here to visit with him. Uh-huh. And by then, I had we had already lived in Florida and Virginia, and I'd been in Rhode Island. So by the time we came to Oklahoma, I, I was ready for a little bit of conservative. We moved from Whidbey Island, Washington, which has been my favorite so far. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. So by that time, you, you experience and live in all of these different pockets of people and cultures with their own unique way of doing things. And mm-hmm. Oklahoma is just another unique way of doing things. But it's a great place to raise a family, which is what we were going for. So Yeah. So when, what is your job now? I mean, I know what your job is now. but My job now, uh, I, I am director of properties for First Baptist Church Owasso. Well, isn't that a coincidence? not three that, first Baptist church. <laughs> isn't, isn't that a coincidence? Actually, let us just take a second <laughs> to tell you, listeners, Lucinda would be too modest to say this, but she is a rock star at her job. She makes it look oh, yes. like a piece of cake, and yes. it is not. So everybody around this church really, really is grateful for Lucinda Hicks. So and Lucinda Hicks is really, really grateful for everybody's grace with me. Because so. <laughs> I, 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 I wing this. This is God takes care of this job. So. <laughs> I bet you've learned a lot as you've gone. I mean, things that maybe you didn't know you knew how to do, but then the situation comes up and then you you tackle it and you do it. Well, yes. Yes indeed. So right now we are we are building a farm and we built a house and the only way I could have done all that is the the past 6 years of learning I've received in this position. So it has been hugely beneficial. I am extremely grateful and, and constantly amazed that God put me here. So that's so good. I, I don't want to miss the fact that you just now said you basically have a humongous DIY project. You're building <laughs> a farm and a house. Well, this is a big deal. 
Well, Please the house may be a bit far away. We, I designed a house that I can't afford to build. So we built the garage, and we're living in the garage. So we had a wonderful contractor who's <laughs> worked here at the church before. Actually, all the contractors that helped me up at the farm have worked here at the church. And he built the shell, and then Tim and I finished it out. So all of, not this past winter, but the winter before, we, we spent about eight months just going up there at night and building everything out, except for the stuff that I couldn't do, like running electric. You know, I brought the electrician in for that and the plumber, but everything else we finished out. So we live in the garage and that's where we'll be until I have enough money to build the house. And we, when we first moved in, there was an old house at the front of the property that the previous owner had gutted to try to renovate and the foundation wasn't worth saving. So that got torn down. We got to light that on fire. That bonfire burned for about four days. It was fun. And we have built the garden. We have about a 130 foot long and 50 feet wide garden that we're trying to keep things alive in. So that's a whole new adventure. That is so cool. It's so impressive. Yes. <laughs> we have the plan in place for the animals. So, and we're doing fencing. It's, it's just, it's a huge adventure and it's really exciting. One so. thing I notice in the story is it's such a great example of patience that it's just, oh. it's so opposite of the American dream of I want to drive through and I'm just going to put it all on my credit card and I want it today. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's a patient process and it's a one day at a time and build a little bit today and then mm-hmm. build it a little bit the next day. It's, it's a really great example of working hard over the long haul. It's a marathon, not it, a sprint. Right. It is. It's it's. Patience, that's so funny. Patience is one of the things that I I had written down in there. It's one of the biggest things that I pray for constantly. And God is very good at delivering opportunities to grow patience. So we looked, I looked, I was obsessed with looking for a home with land for 15 years. So from the time that we moved here, the first 11 months, we looked and looked and looked and we couldn't find anything. So we bought our house in suburbia in a neighborhood, little 1,253 square foot house that we had the four kids in. And that was great, but we always wanted to do, you know, country and and experience all of that. But it took 15 years of looking every day on all of the real estate sites and Every contract that we tried to get into, it would fall through. So we lost three houses for the weirdest of reasons. And the only thing that you can chalk that up to is that God just said, no, that's not for you. That's not it. And then how we found this place, that was, that's a really cool story. We, okay, so July 4th, two years ago, We sat down, we had a family meeting, we knew things were out of whack, family meeting meaning Tim and I, and we we outlined our priorities, what we wanted to do. And I had some other things in motion at that time that I was really actively pursuing, like I, I was supposed to go to law school. I'd been accepted. I was supposed to start that fall. It's now July. I still hadn't worked out all the finances for that or given the school a response. I was supposed to start that. I was still teaching a lot in the students. 
And we sat down and we decided, okay, I, I really need to refocus in because I homeschool. So I homeschool and Tim facilitates while I'm at work. And, and in order for me to focus and keep them at home and still do homeschool, I had to give up these other things. So, so we decided that and we decided our other priorities, if we could get out of town and um, you know, do the agriculture thing and then retirement. So the next day I wake up in a panic, what in the world have I just done? Because I worked two years to get into law school and um, your husband was kind enough to help me with that. <laughs> and I, you know, we decided to give it up for the time being. And then on Friday, I'm going through looking at the listings like I'd always done, and this one was on Craigslist. And I called, and she said, oh, no, it's not for sale anymore. We decided to keep it. She said, but I'm a realtor. What can I help you with? So we talked for like an hour, and that was it. I just thought she'd look at her ads and send me something else. And about six hours later, she texted and said, hey, are you still interested? And it just lined up like a kick line. Everything. It happened so fast. It was perfect. It's beautiful. With it's, that same property? With the same property. They decided to go ahead and sell it. They decided to go ahead and sell it. And the price was unheard of in this area for right now. And I was still panicking a little bit about law school and the good things that I had chosen to give up because they, they were good things. I just had to refocus. And I came to church on Sunday, and I had two different conversations with just ones that I would not have started on my own, and God affirmed both decisions. It was it was so wow, it, and, it, and it's just been like I'm snapping, like people can see me. I talk with my hands. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's, it's just been so fast ever since then. It's just been one step after another. So it was just 15 years of waiting and then getting out of the way while God just does it all. So that's a great message it is. for all of us. I love it. It's it's been really exciting. Because that that's that's what it is. It's not while while I'm busy and while it's Tim's in my hands doing it, it's it's really it's really not. It's like we're standing still and we're just waiting until he says, okay, come do this. And then, and then you just look at what he's done and put together to that point, and you're like, wow. And then you stand still while he's doing this over here, and they like, okay, come on, we're ready for you now. And it's, I don't know if that makes any sense, yes. but it's been, it's been a really fun two years. It's a great way to live. Okay, so you're really good about employing our youth, as I can t- test personally, because my son has worked for you. So um, tell us a little bit about your work with our youth and your work with your kids and how that all fits into your your idea of mentoring. Hmm. Okay. So with all of the students that we employ here at the church, God sends me the best people, first of all including Aiden. They're always so mature and responsible. and Except when they break doors, but that's fine. No, um, that's exactly accidents that. happen. <laughs> accidents happen. Was that him? I think that happened with two other people, too. <laughs> Oops, there goes another door. <laughs> um, I tell them when I hire them that... Um, that they dare not get me in trouble with their mamas because I love their mamas. <laughs> so I, I treat them 
as adults. So they're normally, it used to be 16, now it's like 15, but they have to be able to manage their schedule. They have to be able to work independently. And I have to know that I can trust them to just get it done. (laughs) They have never disappointed. They never fail to succeed. So, and there's so few opportunities, it seems, for students to have that. And and I could be wrong, but I think most of the jobs, you know, like fast food, they go, they check in, they do their work, they go home. And mm-hmm. here we try to give them avenues where they can where they can grow and develop some skills and, and hopefully learn how to clean and help their mothers at home. <laughs> and and it, it's not just I even employ my my own daughter and she's she's doing great despite all of, you know, you guys know her, despite everything that she's been up against in the past. So right now she's bleaching. She's been a resource coordinator before, and she's always excelled and done well. So I, th- I think that's that's just a part. That's a part of mentoring is giving them the confidence to know that you're capable of doing this. Your yeah. age doesn't matter. So we'll talk a little bit about more about that with Ashlyn. Her health stuff. Yeah, she was in second grade when my grandmother actually brought it to our attention that she was looking very, very skinny in the videos that we were sending home and I hadn't noticed it. And um, we had tried to homeschool and we did not know how to do that. That was not good at the very beginning. It was not good at all. So we decided she was going to go to school. So she went to Bailey and she started in August and about a month later, she just started having a lot of pain in her stomach. So we thought, you know, it was new and it was nerves and mm-hmm. um, it just progressed from there. She was sick a lot. She, she loved school, loved it. And she'd be riding her bike to school and she'd be like, yay so fast and 20 seconds later she'd be in a ball on the ground crying the pain would hit her so hard so fast so suddenly and it was like that all winter long her teacher was amazing all the teachers at Bailey are amazing and that April uh, this this was a god thing her grandmother was at an a doctor's appointment and just talking about everything that her granddaughter was going through. And the nurse out of the blue said, well, has she been tested for celiac? I had never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. So I called our pediatrician. We tested her the same day. She has celiac. So right away, we were able to start her treatment for that, which is just a gluten-free diet. We did the upper GI scope. She's completely healthy otherwise, but it takes about a year and a half to reset your body for all those villi to grow back. So so we decided we were going to go back to homeschooling because she was just missing too much school mm-hmm. um, into third grade. She started third grade, and then I pulled her out. So that's when I learned how to homeschool. It is not like public school in any way, shape, or form. So we, we have loved it on both sides of the fence. All of my kids have gone to public school. All of my kids have homeschooled. We just like homeschooling. That's what fits us. Mm-hmm. So Ashlyn, about a, she started feeling better over time. It took a long time, year and a half plus. And then she started having these other symptoms. And we would go to the doctor and they'd be like, oh, well, it's celiac. She just has to get used to it. It's celiac because celiac has pages upon pages of symptoms in ways that it manifests itself. And Ashlyn's primary symptom is pain, pain in her abdomen, pain in her joints, pain in her muscles, her head, headache, all of that. So we just 
kept accepting this answer. We went through pain management. We did all of these things, but these these symptoms kept coming. And you know, as a mama, you're always at the doctor going, help, fix my child. And it, nothing was really happening, but I have, we love our doctor. Every test I imagined she did, every specialist I asked for a referral to, she gave us to, and we kept chasing these trails and test after test and year after year, all the tests were, it's normal. It's normal. It's just celiac. So then you start feeling like a hypochondriac mom. Mm -hmm. You start getting treated like a hypochondriac mom. Right. And uh, at one point, we, our doctor wasn't available, so we saw another doctor in the office, and she was actually very irritated with me after looking through her medical record, and she said there's absolutely nothing that can be done. She just has to learn to manage it, to deal with it. Okay. But when your child's lying on the couch begging you to please make a stop, or when the pain is so bad that you take them to the emergency room in the middle of the night and morphine doesn't even touch it, wow, doesn't touch it, doesn't do a thing, nothing helps in any way, shape, or form. So we kept pursuing different things and asking different questions, and the hardest part was that there wasn't all she had to advocate was me, and I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not trained that way. And it, it would have been nice if somebody who was had been thinking outside the box, which is a huge lesson for parenting is being able to think outside the box. But we didn't. So God just kept putting people in in our path that would that would suggest things. So I would meet new people who were similarly fighting for their child and running up against the same brick walls who would suggest things or just give you um, enough extra energy because you never realize how much energy you have lost until someone else has energy to fight a little bit harder. You just sort of get used to, okay, this is how life is. So, So then you'd go to another specialist. And the first specialist we went to who looked at her and looked at me and said, I'll be right back, and went out and came back in and said, oh, I know exactly what that is. I can fix it. I cried. I cried all the way from the room to the car because it was the first time in years that somebody could actually identify something to fix her. The day uh, last year, we, we went to the emergency room because her stomach hurt. There was actually something wrong. We actually had her appendix out. We were like cheering in the room. The doctors thought we were crazy because for 10 years, all we ever heard was all of her tests are normal. Everything's fine. She just have to deal with it. So finally, after a few small victories, it's like, well, maybe Oklahoma is the problem. So we went to the Celiac Disease Center at the Children's Hospital in Colorado last year. It's been a little over a year now. And... We saw the celiac doctor, and she said, I don't think any of these symptoms are celiac. Her celiac is completely under control. Oh. She said, but you need to go see this doctor across the street. So they gave us the referral. We saw her the next day. We have a new diagnosis, which is POTS disease. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know how many people have heard of it. It's apparently quite common. Astronauts come back from space with it. It's really? yes. I'm going to completely butcher the name of it. It's um, postural 
orthostatic maybe, tachycardia syndrome. So basically, you know when you're laying down, your blood vessels like relax, and then when you stand up, they tighten back up, and it pushes all the blood to your brain? Mm -hmm. Hers don't. So she couldn't shower standing up because she'd get dizzy. And you pass out, and um, so but her, it's her blood vessels don't constrict back up, right? Okay, but she had been in this cycle. Oh, let me see if I can remember how this goes. It's the parasympathetic part of the autonomic system, I think. It's the part that controls rest and digestion. So her celiac disease, all of her digestion problems, the fact that she's had insomnia since she was six, all of that was tied in to POTS, which is extremely common and extremely easy to work on. For 10 years, nobody had even brought it up or mentioned it. So she had been in this vicious cycle of feeding the pots, feeding the celiac, feeding the insomnia, feeding the pots. It's just been this downward spiral. So coming back, you know, you're very relieved and you're very excited. And I'm like, Oklahoma is the black hole of pediatric medicine, which it's not entirely, not at all. Oklahoma is just as good as anywhere else. It's just that her body did things differently. And you think, okay, I finally have a solution. And she starts feeling better. And then she starts feeling bad again. So this past winter, we've been struggling with even more symptoms and other things coming in to play. And again, God put somebody in my path that sends me a random text one day and says, hey, have you considered this? Which I'd never even heard of before, but all of her symptoms line up with it. So we just met with a neurologist this week and she's going for an MRI. So this cycle just continues. So so it's this ongoing um, medical thing with your child. So 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 you try to help and you try to advocate and you try to you try to fix and you try to heal and you try to find all the right people and for a long time because it's such a normal daily part of life, you just get used to it and accustomed to it and you don't really think you need a support system until all of a sudden somebody's there who God's put there and is helping to speak into it and to help and to give you ideas. And it that in itself is just an overwhelming blessing that brings you down to tears because you don't realize that you're hanging by a string because you just become used to it. Right. You just you just become used to it. It's part of everyday life. And there were times when her body where her symptoms were low enough, it's like you were functioning normally. So then when it does come back and then you see in the doctor's notes that they think she's just trying to get out of school or something else, it's just there, there's got to be a better way with pediatric mm-hmm. health. There's got to be. So as relieved as you were to get this diagnosis, did it also mm-hmm. at the same time make you a little bit angry or frustrated? Oh, I was so angry. Okay. <laughs> I was so angry. <laughs> be- angry. Angry at the doctors that never thought outside the box. Uh Angry at the doctors that only stuck to just their one little, you know, this is my box and this is what I deal and deal with and and we're not going to look outside of that or suggest other things. Angry at myself that I wasn't more proactive, that I just got used to dangling on my string. And did I torture my daughter for 10 years? By not fighting harder, by not going out of state sooner, did I mean it, there was like this whole? It, 
it's an emotional cluster mm-hmm. is what came from that. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to a mom if maybe she's doesn't have it doesn't even realize she's hanging on by a string but maybe she is oh that's a good question oh i have to think about that for a minute because i'm i'm remembering when i'm sitting there when you're dangling mm-hmm. you don't know you are right and you're just used to it and if you're type a like me then you think i've got this I've got this under control. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm balancing this with work and, you know, making sure everybody has a nice, happy childhood. And you just do what you can one day at a time. I honestly don't know who parents that... I've been so fortunate that God just keeps putting people in the right places at the right time, at the right moment to say the right thing that I might hear it. And can act on it. And people that don't have that, I just, I just can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. If I could go back and, and tell myself one thing, though, it would be um, not to get comfortable, not to settle into an everyday pattern, not to um, just believe everything that the doctors tell you, to trust your judgment because I really think mothers have an instinct. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know if my kid's trying to not do school, that's, that's not it. Right. Um, and just to fight harder, because when you stop fighting and you start accepting it, like I did, because you just get tired, or you think, okay, we've, we found a way for it to become manageable, then, then when you run into someone who's fighting harder than you and they're making progress, then you just you just realize you could have been fighting harder. So finding the energy to fight harder for your child is, that's something I would tell myself if I could go back and look at myself in the mirror and all of that. So, Well, I know that you, you say, you know, you wish you could go back and say this to yourself, but I just want to let you know that I think that you've been a mom champion I mean, well, a champion to carry this every day with a smile on your face, to love your children passionately. I mean, it just exudes out of you mm-hmm. how much thanks. you love your kids. And in case anyone's listening that feels this way, you're not alone. You're not alone. And don't give up. And just like Lucinda, God will send just the right thing to hear. Maybe this podcast is a reminder to you that God is with you and that you're not the only parent that is struggling to fight for your child with health concerns or any other concerns. So, Yeah, so you're just mm-hmm. going to keep your ears open for mm-hmm. those voices. Mm-hmm. And whatever yeah. this next part of Around the Bend holds for the MRI and the results mm-hmm. and the next steps. We'll be praying for you and thanks. I appreciate asking it. Asking God to lead you as you help Ashlyn. And the weird thing is now, you were just telling us before recording, since she's officially eighteen, officially. now there's this all this weird stuff that Right. So oh, it's so hard. That it's moms so hard. say because I said so and <laughs> I can sign for my child. It's 
different having adult children. And now she's going to have to learn to advocate for herself. Which she has. And that's been, that's been one of the joys that have come from this is, Mm -hmm. you know, she, she does know how to manage pain now. She knows how to put it into perspective. She knows how to help someone else who's feeling badly. It's caused her to mature faster, which I am not complaining about that. She's an amazing kid. She's ready to spread her wings and fly, and she is advocating for herself, and it's really hard for mama to let go. So it's there, there's, there's pluses and goods to all of it because God's written in her, in her such a story now that she's already been able to use to help connect with, with other people that are just starting out. Mm. And it's given us, or it's given me a passion for, um, just food, like the gluten-free food, because there's so much yuck out there. So, so we figured out how to, how to do that because food brings so much joy to everybody's life. And that has, it, it's just neat how it all works together and the little things that can come from it. What are so. some of your little life hacks and tricks that you have found out of when you're cooking that's gluten-free and it tastes delicious? What are some of your tricks that you've found that are like, oh, this is working. I love this. <laughs> Never use xanthan powder. Okay. <laughs> xanthan powder is off the grocery list. Thank it you. is. It is. It is awful, awful, awful. And it's used in everything. Every gluten-free ready-made package has it in it. And it is not even a little bit chemically close to gluten, not even a little bit. So we use guar gum, which is more... How do you, use, how do you spell that? What is that? G-U-A-R. It is significantly less expensive than xanthan. And when you mix xanthan into something and add fluid and mix it, it, it turns into like this gelatinous blob. It holds it together because gluten is a binder. It, it acts like a glue. Um, guar gum does the same thing without doing that. So we learned that early on. And then you've just got to figure out what flavor you like. If you like whole wheat, go to teff flour. If you really enjoy beans, use bean flour. There's Every different flour has a different taste to it. So when I bake, I use sweet rice flour and potato starch. I don't like tapioca starch. I don't like the bean flours. I don't, you're going to get me talking about food. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Um, I love cooking. And I love cooking gluten-free food for people that can't normally have it or aren't used to having certain things. And, and I you have want a it. Of six that you I do. For. I yeah. do. And it's and it's good. So things, anything's possible now. It took me ten years, but man, I can make a buttermilk biscuit, <laughs> and you can't tell the difference, which is huge in gluten-free world, or at least in my life, it is. <laughs> so there's oh, there's all sorts of tricks with gluten-free. You get online and all of these websites say you have to measure exactly and they even tell you to weigh it. No, you don't. You really don't. It's just normal cooking. You just have to figure out how it works. And jumbo eggs, the bigger the egg, the better. Or add more eggs or applesauce. Those regular little large eggs won't do a thing for a gluten-free anything. So... Really good tips. I love talking about food. (laughs) I could do that. Let's just talk about food. (laughs) I think this also demonstrates how flexible you are, that when you're faced with a challenge, that 
you tackle the problem and then you try things and try something else and try something else. And I think that's one thing I'm taking away from this conversation, a reminder to myself to be flexible in life, to be adjusting to the needs that are in my family and and to just let that still be a joyful time. It doesn't have to mean if it's different than I thought it was going to be that I it's somehow all wrong. It mm-hmm. just means it's different. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I see that in you, that you're flexible and that you you are such a joyful person. It's obviously joyful. So um, we can really all benefit from that today. Flexibility is huge. And that, you know, that comes from, well, for me, that came from mentorship. I had every duty station I was at, every job I've ever had, even here, there's always that one person that is just calm, that thinks outside the box, that isn't afraid to question the why, mm-hmm. that's, that's flexible. I had a mentor in Virginia, um, Chief Roach, who I, who I talk about a lot, but he was very outside the box thinking. And what I wrote down was nothing and no one was stuck to a certain path if they showed any sort of aptitude. Everyone can be trained and developed to do something if they're willing to do it. There are no limitations and everything is possible. So whether I'm parenting or I'm here at my job, my first natural instinct might be to be like, (gasps) no, or to guard something or, but then you sit back and you're like, can we do that? Mm-hmm. Most of the time we can. When I, when my kids were little, you know, they ask so many can I questions and no becomes a very quick response because no, I do not want to wash another dozen outfits today because you want to do a fashion show in the rain. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But, but I was driving in the car one day, and the kids were asking something in the back, and my grandmother, oh, she's an amazing woman, she is sitting in the front seat, and they ask a question, and I said, no, I don't even know what the question was, and she's like, Lucinda, what does it hurt? I'm like, huh? And she goes, what will it hurt? Why no? What will it hurt? So now I ask that question to myself all the time as a parent, okay, they're asking a question, what will it hurt? It's kind of like my litmus test. And if nobody's going to be hurt and I can't think of a rational reason why, then then why not? So, which has been pretty cool for them because it has, it has given them their own flexibility and their own confidence to be able to question the why, which is sometimes annoying <laughs> because sometimes it's just because I'm mama. Right. But... But it's you really neat future, to see that. Future lawyers among them who like to prove their point. <laughs> yes, but they don't know who they are yet. <laughs> so, so we won't share that. We, not yet. They, they all have different paths in mind right now. But it's, it's, it's good stuff. There, there comes a time where you have to, when there's a decision made, and you just have to respect that, and you have to respect the authority behind it and, and, and all of that. But it's, it's really neat to see them not think like the herd. Right. I have never wanted to think like the herd. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to think beyond, you know, our current cultural mentality. And and that's what I hope for them too. So Mm -hmm. just that flexibility of not constantly shutting it down, I think in a small way contributes to that. So 
And they've been right alongside you through building, haven't they? Have they all gotten oh, yes. their hands on paintbrushes? And they've all gotten their hands mm-hmm. on getting the sheetrock up or things like that. Yeah. They've been apart, right? They have. The they're, they're taking ownership. Kinsey and Summer both uh, built, we had a friend give us a chicken coop. A, a portable one, and they went in and cleaned it and rehabbed it and put a fence around it and set it up. And as soon as they were done, they got the chicks and they feed them and water them and change the bedding. And they helped Love plant it. the garden. And yesterday they harvested the beets and helped me sort them all. So so if you want some beet greens, I, I have beet greens if, <laughs> if you want some. Um, no, it's the farm is everything that, that we hoped it would be. They're, they're taking that ownership and learning life skills with it. So... It's exciting. I love it. Oh well, goodness. thanks so much for coming and sharing all that. And we look forward to getting the inf- scoop on your house and how all <laughs> that's going. So, Well, yeah, thanks for having me. Lucinda, you've been a blessing. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Wow, everybody. Did you love Lucinda Hicks as much as you we thought you would. I'm sure you did. And we're just grateful that she took the time to come on Afraid Not. I love how she shared everything is possible, which she talked about learning from her mentor in the Navy and her attitude about life, her attitude about the struggles and helping her child through all of the health concerns they've had for so many years. It just seems to be really in that positive frame of mind everything is possible she is trusting God and believing no matter what the circumstances are she's just a great example and I'm taking that with me today and I think if there was going to be a name for this one it would just be thinking outside the box I just like that theme and I think that's something we need to take to heart that we can always get outside of that realm of what's normal and figure things out and maybe there's a different way So thanks again for listening. And also, this is when this episode comes out. Yes, on a personal note, today is June 5th, 2020, and it is the wedding day of my oldest daughter. I am so excited. Happy wedding day. Happy wedding day, Emily. Yay. She's going to be Mrs. Emily Kuykendall on June 5th, 2020. So we're thanking God for that, thanking God for our son-in-law-to-be and... This is, on a personal note, a very special date. So thanks, listeners, for being here on Afraid Not with us. Congratulations, Mother of the Bride. Oh, thank you. (laughs) We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye.